it's already a given that you're going to have active players. It's just a matter of how many years into the league do they need to be before you consider it to be sufficient to put them, you know, on that list. So, so, so that's why, that's why, you know, that was a difficult thing for you to balance with Austin Reeves, for example. And <laughs> 78, it was 78. <laughs> He always seems to get involved, doesn't he? I'm telling you, too many coconuts have hit him right on top of the skull. Well, I think uh, Anthony will be a great acquisition. He can do it all. Avery, whose show is this? Welcome, everybody, to the Anthony Irwin Show. I'm Anthony Irwin. I am joined today by now friend of the show, friend of the feed, multiple appearances at this point, um, Howard Beck of Sports Illustrated, senior editor of Sports Illustrated. He is the co-host of the Crossover Podcast, which runs Tuesdays and Fridays, latest episode, Talking Mavs with Tim Cato. Uh, how are you doing? How's this season treating you? What a wild year so far. Uh, doing well so far. Good to see you. Glad to be a friend of the show and multiple time uh, appearance now. Um, how many do I need to get the stamps on my little card for the free latte? Is that at five? Because I think we're at three. I must be getting close. I think I can actually expense that now at this at this current gig. So, <laughs> so <laughs> we'll, we'll, okay. we'll, we'll set it at three. We'll go right. next, to be back. next appearance. You'll, you'll, you'll get free a free latte. latte. Yeah. Awesome. Especially if you're in Austin, if you're in the greater Austin area, you you can get a beer, like whatever, whatever you a, prefer. Been way too long since I've been in uh, Austin or uh, the nearby city that I believe hosts an NBA franchise. So two of them. Um, I, there's I, there's two cities. Um, how far? So wait, so I've driven San Antonio to Austin, which took me, I think, what, like 45, 50, something like that. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm like 20, 30 minutes north of Austin. So for like, if I leave right now, oh, okay. I would get to San Antonio in like an hour and a half, two hours, depending on traffic. And then um, it's like two, three ish hours to Dallas. So I've, okay. I've made, I've made both drives and um, the Dallas one is much nicer than, than the San Antonio one. My, my recollection of Austin to San Antonio and back, uh, because the, the listeners really want to hear about traffic patterns in Texas, was that there was always construction going on on whatever that highway always. was. Yeah. Perpetually. It, it's yeah. just, it just never stops. A long, boring drive, but, uh, but worth it to get to Austin because there was great food and great music and it's a cool yeah. town and I feel like I have not uh, spent enough time there. So one of these Not days. as worth it to go to San Antonio. Shots <laughs> <laughs> Uh, today's show, we have a ton to talk about. We have just this wild season in general, what you think about uh, the Lakers and when they currently stand, other surprises around the league, which there are plenty of. And I wanted to start here. So uh, you made a little bit of news, a little bit of controversy in regards to the top 75 list with uh, Dwight Howard. And I'm curious, like, is it, is it, like self-hate because he also has Howard in his name. Is it just a <laughs> just general contempt for people named Dwight because of Dwight Schrute from the office? Like what's going on there? These, these are, these are great theories. I love this, uh, especially the self-hate one. I got, I do have some self-loathing issues. There's no question. I think we all do. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, you know, not that many Howards in NBA history, first or last name. So yeah. I really should be looking out for my fellow Howard. Um, uh, funny story, when my daughter was small and uh, would come through while I'm the living room while I'm watching NBA games. And I have to think it's because of the commonality of Dwight Howard and my first name being Howard that she somehow latched onto him as a player. This is when he was still obviously in, mm -hmm. his, in his prime. So there was reason for me to be watching Magic games and, and so forth. Yeah. Um, and she would ask, is Dwight Howard in this game? <laughs> no matter what game was on, she wanted to, and I, I think it was the first like NBA name I think she knew. And I think it had to be because of that. Um, Did you break her heart when you told her you left him out of the top 75? <laughs> <laughs> we have not discussed that. Uh, it's too sensitive, I think. It's too raw. Maybe, maybe, when, maybe when she's uh, voting age. Yeah. Um, so the Dwight Howard thing was, was and is a difficult um, just uh, area to, to, to debate, to discuss, because people are really dug in on this. And there is yeah. certainly a subset of NBA analysts, fans, pundits, whatever, who are absolutely positive that, that Dwight Howard should have made it, deserved it, um, that this is the, the, the disgrace among all disgraces. First of all, so just to note for the record for your listeners, I, yeah, I was one of the voters, but I was one of 88. So there are yeah. 87 others who I don't. And listen, we'll never know. I don't think we'll ever know. The NBA will probably never disclose how this all broke down. I disclosed my entire ballot in a column that I put on SI.com mm -hmm. a week ago, coinciding with the day that the or the day after the, the full list had been announced. Um, so I have no qualms whatsoever, you know, explaining some of my thought process, which I've, I've already done um, online. Um, but I don't know what the rationale for others were on, on, on yeah. Dwight and why he was not on a sufficient number of ballots or how many he was left off of. Is he, is he, has he been hurt by the latter half of his career? And it's not just latter stages. Like a lot of guys will fade out, but his yeah. fade began when he was like 29, 30. It, I would argue it maybe started in Orlando. It maybe like, started in Orlando. Yeah. <laughs> like in terms of like the, 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 the beginnings of the admonishment of Howard off of the yes. court because of the way he handled his exit there. And I don't know whether, you know, the optics of Dwight Howard, the attitude, the persona, the hijinks, um, or as uh, my, my buddy Chris Mannix said when we were doing a video on this for SI, he said, you know, um, is it just because he's a doofus? And then I picked up from there. I said, is he paying, a, maybe he's paying a doofus tax? <laughs> doofus tax. <laughs> um just kind of came out spontaneously. Yeah. It's possible, but I don't know. I cannot speak to the mindset of the 87 other voters. Yeah. I I did not weigh, I will be absolutely honest. I did not weigh whatever you want to call it, the, the doofus hex or the, the aspects of his personality as 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 a huge weight. It was not a massive part of my consideration. What I did was, you know, I so people grandfathered in a, a lot of the original 50. I kept mm -hmm. 49 of the 50. We can talk about that if you want. I left out Lenny Wilkins. I replaced him with Dominique Wilkins. So in some respects, I was still kind of containing that 50 to the first 50 years. Dominique got snubbed in 1996. I thought mm -hmm. Lenny Wilkins was an overreach. I don't didn't under, understand his inclusion as I examined all this. I left out Lenny Wilkins, replaced him with Dominique Wilkins. And then what I did, what it looks like a lot of the voters did, which was try to get 25 guys out of the 25 years since. Mm -hmm. though that included some guys who were active at that time, but just didn't make it at the time because their careers were not complete. Talking about Gary Payton, Jason Kidd, um, and some others of that era. So I compiled my list of guys that I absolutely should consider. And it was of, of the post-96, right? 
and it was probably I don't I, I don't actually remember now. It was like you know because we we submitted these ballots like two months ago. I think it was like 35, 40 players or something to get mm-hmm. down to twenty five. Guys like Vince Carter were on that list. I did not vote for Vince. Guys like Tracy McGrady, Grant Hill, neither of them made it either. Mm-hmm. But I had I started like grouping my considerations by by theme a little bit, kind of you know like Carter McGrady kind of went together in, in a way. And then I had this grouping: Dwight Howard, Ben Wallace. Dikembe Mutombo, Draymond Green. Mm-hmm. Um, let's leave Draymond out for a moment because his, his career is still going. And well, that's, that's also, if I could just really quickly, like, sure, yeah, the entire exercise is almost impossible because you're ranking guys whose careers yes. aren't done yet. You know, like there's it, that part too. Yes, it, like so, like if because initially, so I read your reasoning and 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 in, in listening to it now, the one kind of olive branch I was willing to offer was like Dwight's Dwight's story is pretty much written at this point. And if you're including Anthony Davis and if you're including Damian Lillard, they still have a couple more chapters to go. So maybe by the time that their, their career is over, if you're looking back at the top 75, you know, five, six years from now, you're looking at it and you're saying, Oh, of course AD would be on there. Of course, Damian Lillard would be on there, but that's not necessarily how it worked. It's it's so l- let me put that one to the side for a second because it is an important point to talk about you know Damian and and and, and Anthony Davis, um, and why I decided to include them though their careers are not anywhere near done yet. Um, let me get back to the centers for just a minute here because yeah. people what what they've done is they've said well Dwight should make it because eight time All Star eight time All NBA three time Defensive Player of the Year five time All Defensive Team it's stellar resume and yes MVP runner up. Uh, well, yes, an MVP runner-up, um, and I think was in the MVP uh, um, high in the balloting, like four out of a five-year stretch or whatever. Mm-hmm. All those things are important. And comparing resumes, comparing postseason awards, comparing various honors, rankings on on uh, all-time scoring, all-time rebounds, all-time blocks, all these like all of these things are worth discussing. So is the rings count, even though I'm not mm-hmm. a rings guy in general. But we're talking about a se- an all-time 75 list, like yeah. There's a reason Bill Russell is like an automatic, right? Because mm-hmm. the dude won more than anybody. Um, and as I wrote in the column, like comparing guys across the eras is impossible. Yeah. As I also wrote, and I should note this too, before I get back to the, the Dwight Ben Wallace to Kembe thing is just that the list is called the 75th anniversary list somewhere in there. The NBA might've described it as the 75 greatest or whatever, but it's called the 75th anniversary list. And when you even looking at the 50, which I did, taken to heavy consideration, it was clear that a lot of guys were included, not entirely based on number of awards won or number of points scored, number of rebounds. It was it was their place in history. It was the importance yeah. that they had to the history of the NBA, to the story of the NBA, to um, the building blocks of the NBA. And when you take those things into consideration, some guys who may not have had the greatest individual resume or the greatest overall skill set still have some weight and, and, and it's hard to dismiss those things. Yeah. If I had knocked out a bunch of guys from the 50s and 60s, which I seriously considered doing early on in this process, Dwight would have been automatic at that stage. It's yeah. only because there was a squeeze for the modern era and trying to balance this and trying not to overweight the modern era. And then you have to start making hard cuts. So here's the way it starts to break down for me. Let's focus on two specific things. Because Dwight, while he did have a few seasons, a few scoring 20 plus points a game. He wasn't really a scorer scorer, right? He mm-hmm. wasn't that kind of star. 
his renown is for his defensive dominance during his prime, mm-hmm. a prime that was too short, by the way. Um, during that time, he does win three, t- uh, three defensive player of the year awards and five all defensive uh, nods. Mm-hmm. Ben Wallace had four defensive player of the year awards. That's one more. And six all defensive. That's also one more than Dwight. Dikemi Mutombo had four defensive player of the year also and six all defensive also. So both Ben Wallace and Dikemi Mutombo, you know, defensive specialists at center, Dwight does, does score more than them. Granted, Dwight was not a scorer for the most part for most of his career. I don't think that was his calling card. Yeah. But he was a better scorer than these other two guys I'm mentioning. But I mentioned those two because if we're going to start counting awards on those counts, on the defensive metrics, they were as, as good or better for longer, for a longer period of time. Mm-hmm. And Ben Wallace's case helped the Pistons win a championship against, as you know, a stacked Laker team in 2004. And Ben Wallace wasn't some role player. He was critical to that championship. Yeah, what that, he did that series was bananas. What, what he did in that, like defensively was insane. One of the, I was, I was saying least talented. Kobe also played great defense in that, in that series against the Lakers. He was just, you know. Yes. I mean, the Pistons, period. Like the Ben Wallace and Rasheed Wallace, everybody. Oh, Kobe was, yeah, you're making Kobe <laughs> jokes. Sorry. Uh, Kobe also did play great defense against Shaq by not ever giving him um, Ben Wallace um, was part of one of the most unique champions we've seen. One of the biggest David knocking out Goliath, maybe the only one in, in, in recent NBA history in, in the finals, right? I mean, if you want to say Dallas over Miami, maybe, I don't know. Um, Cavs over Warriors, maybe. Uh, but yeah, asterisks, circumstances, not asterisks, <laughs> circumstances. Also, by the way, they had LeBron freaking James. So there's no, you're, you cannot be David if you have LeBron James on your team. No, sorry. I'm, I'm, Anthony, no. Um, ben, so ben Wallace, Warriors team. <laughs> ben Wallace went, goes to two finals as a critical piece of, the, of those final teams and wins a championship. Dikemi Mutombo played it in the, in the most glamorous era for centers that we have ever seen. Dikemi Mutombo's peer group was Akeem Olajuwon, Patrick Ewing, David Robinson, Shaquille O'Neal, Alonzo Mourning. You can't compare eras, but Dwight Howard would not have been dominant in that era. Mm. <laughs> he would not. Um, Dikembe was a de- defensive force at a time when bigs still ruled the NBA. And, yeah. and is an all-timer. And you know when we talk about the complete uh, package of a player and what they brought to the league and what they meant to the league, Dikembe is a humanitarian, as a global ambassador, and everything else he's done – I mean, I heard Ernie Johnson on TNT invoke all of that in talking about why he wished Dikembe would have made it. I don't know if he was actually on his ballot or not. Um, but I mean, Dikembe, you know, like those things aren't the most critical, but when you're considering a 75th anniversary team and it's not yeah. just about the 75. Hairs. Yes, and it's not just about the 75 best ever to play. Mm-hmm. If that were the case, we would be knocking out Dolph Shays and Paul Arizin and a bunch of guys from you know the, the early eras. So if if Dikembe and Ben Wallace, if I can't get them on, is Dwight really so far ahead of those guys for his era that he should have been on? Some people will say, absolutely, yes, Howard, you're an idiot. That's fine. Um, I couldn't quite make the leap there. But I did put on Anthony Davis and Damian Lillard. Chris Mannix, when we were debating this for SI, says, you know, Dwight was better at 28 than Anthony Davis at 28. Well, guess what? Anthony Davis was the second best player, the second star on a team that won a championship just a year ago. Yeah. Dwight Howard at 28 uh, was not. Is, is that rings 
culture now? I don't know. But Anthony Davis, yes, struggled in New Orleans to lead his team anywhere. A horrendous franchise doing terrible things with that roster for most of his career. Mm -hmm. Everybody, almost everybody needs another star with them to win a championship. But when he had that opportunity, Anthony Davis was incredible. Your audience doesn't need me to, to describe or remind them how great Anthony Davis is or was or how critical he was to that championship. Damian Lillard's a transformational, evolutionary kind of player. And you could say, well, Steph Curry is already that. And yes, Steph Curry is already on the ballot too. It doesn't negate that Dame Lillard is also part of this, this massive leap forward in mm. NBA play where you're shooting from the logo, where you're taking routinely pulling up from 35 feet. Yeah. Um, and, and, and one of the great scorers and shooters that we've seen, one of the great clutch players we've ever seen. I mean, you know, the catalog of Damian Lillard clutch shots you know, matches almost anybody's in NBA history. You want to put him up there with with Jerry West in the Mr. Clutch, uh, you know, club? It, it would be fair. So I thought for two guys whose careers are already ongoing, and then you think about Shaq being on it with only four years on his resume in 96, Lillard and Anthony Davis are way deeper into their careers than Shaq was at that time. Mm -hmm. I had no problem um deciding that I like I felt those guys needed to be there we already had other active players anyway right Durant was automatic Curry was automatic Westbrook I thought was automatic Chris Paul though closer to the end than some of the other guys was automatic so it's already a given that you're going to have active players it's just a matter of how many years into the league do they need to be before you consider it to be sufficient to put them you know on that list so, so so that's why that's why you know that was a difficult thing for you to balance with Austin Reeves, for example, and seventy eighth. He was seventy eighth. <laughs> I listen if, if we're talking yeah. about snubs. Speaking of seventy seven, because the, the 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 joke they had in the Warriors locker room, like Clay Thompson, who was on my ballot yeah. and I considered a lock, I'm just stunned he got left out. He yeah. he's he's arguably the second greatest shooter of all time, next to his teammate, and critical part of three championships and a team that made five straight finals, which no team had done since the 60s Celtics going to five straight finals is like incredibly difficult. And yes, they had the injection of Durant for, for some of that, but um, Clay Thompson is a fantastic player and a two-way player. I, frankly, he's better than Reggie Miller, who everybody just takes as a given that Reggie should be on there. He is yeah. every bit the shooter or better than Reggie. Plus he plays defense. And I think uh, does more with the ball in his hands. Yeah. I, this is kind of part of a, a larger general point. I hope Clay Thompson changes his number to 77, but like, I, I, I want, I want to, cause I, I, I wasn't, I didn't vote in any of this and I wasn't a part of the process. And, and, and the thing that I keep falling back on if I was is in terms of competition, some of the names that are on the list from the first 50, played in eras that weren't nearly as competitive as the last 25 years have been. And so like, if I was weighing and, and obviously like there's recency bias, there is all kinds of biases present because I have watched the, the, the last 20, you know, well, not the last 25 years, but, but I've watched like the last 15 years and paid close attention to the last 15 years of basketball. And I would say that like, I would, I would have taken more people off of the top 50 just because the last, you know, as the sport has evolved, it has become more competitive. And I think you have to represent where the league is now. If, if the point of adding 25 people is, is refreshing the, the, the list anyway, but it, honestly, like the thing existed and, and you talked about kind of the ambiguous 
uh, rating system that like they're the, the league basically, I, I would imagine didn't tell you, Hey, this is how you have to rate this. This is how you have to rate off court stuff. Nothing. This is how you have to, so Nothing. I would imagine. Yeah. Zero. And, 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 <laughs> no and that guidance was, whatsoever. That exists that way because the whole point of the list is to generate conversation, which it has for the last 20 minutes between you and me. Like that's, that's the whole point of this thing. And for the last week and, and for years <laughs> to come probably. Yeah. Um, which is, and which is fine also. Um, look, I, you know, if you had taken, and this is the other thing, because people will say like, oh, well, um, Anthony Davis and, 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 Jim, and, and uh, Damian Lillard made it just because the league wanted current players to make it more relevant to the, the league had nothing to do with it. They like sent out ballots to a bunch of us mm-hmm. and then we all filled them out in our individual, you know, homes and offices or wherever. I mean, I didn't even know who most of the other voters were. I found out by accident along the way when other people mentioned it. Um, mm-hmm. I conferred with one or two of them at times just saying, Hey, I'm thinking about this. What do you think of this? How do we, no, no, no. but like, it's not 88 people sitting in a room, yeah. you know, somebody's got Debating a gavel. This. Yeah, debating, and we've got to decide. Who would be holding the gavel? Who, like, who, who would be holding? Uh, Bill Russell. I mean, <laughs> well, that doesn't. That's not fair. He can't participate in the thing that he wouldn't be in. But I, I guess that would be technically more fair, right? Um, than he, somebody he, who was voting was on it, holding. Them. Wasn't he one of the voters actually? That um, would be insane. <laughs> I'd like. I'd like to think the ghost like of David Stern is holding the gavel and possibly yeah. hitting me on the head with it. Um, <laughs> at some point in that comment, he's definitely he has multiple gavels to throw at people. He has he has uh, a whole bunch of them up at his little box, uh, up on his judge uh, chair that he's sitting on, and 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 he's throwing no a little question. hammer at all kinds of people. No, no question, and, and would probably never miss. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm now pulling open the, the press release because I wanted to, I was trying to refresh my memory of who else was on this. Uh, this yeah, list I, of voters. I listen. It, it it was not a. Um, it's not objective. It's, it, well, it's subjective. And, and, it, and it, right, and it's also not everybody in a room where you could actually benefit from. Listen, if I wanted to push back against some of the older guys and say, listen, I, I want to knock some of these guys out, but now mm-hmm. I've got all of the people who some of the people who played against them are actually in the room. And some of the people who covered them perhaps are in the room. And right. they say, no, 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 no. you got to keep them because of this. And then mm-hmm. you can have that discussion. And then I can say, yeah, but look at the way the game is played now and look at how skilled these guys, are. whatever, you can have this debate. It's, it's really hard to debate across the eras. It's even harder still when we are all prisoners to an extent of our own era, of our own generation. And as I yeah. wrote, here I am, a kid who grew up in the 80s, 70s and 80s, but I didn't really want to bring in how old I was. Um, growing up in the 80s, uh, making judgments on guys from the fifties and sixties while covering the league in the 2020s, right? Like it's it, yeah. and comparing to guys, like it's a really difficult thing to do for any of us. And so I would almost have preferred 88 of us in a room together, somebody with a gavel and a big dry erase board and charts and graphics everywhere while we're trying to hammer it out. That would have been in, in some ways uh, a, a more um, just televise it. Like Just, I, yeah, I would, that would be incredible. I would, I, I would watch the crap out of that if that was something that was that, that I could uh, potentially watch. No, I like I it I I saw that you were getting quite a bit of 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 uh vitriol for for leaving Dwight off and 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 yeah. you know personally I would have put him ahead of Dame, probably ahead of AD two, but like it's not something I'm gonna sit here and how dare the you just you, you just got to take that up with your daughter like it's it's not it's it's not <laughs> well, it's not me that you have to, to let me to let me just make to. one final point on it because i know you want to talk about some other stuff but mm-hmm. um you know 
I think when we're judging the totality of a player's career, it's fair to say this guy's prime ended way too soon and not because of injury per se. I know there was the back stuff and some other things, especially, you know, in that time when he went from Orlando to LA and, and, and in his year in LA, but you know, Emma Grady, you know, is, is one who, and Yao Ming is another one who, if not for injuries, might've had a very different career. Mm-hmm. Um, I think if people want to dismiss the back half of Dwight's career, you're being too dismissive on that count. If, if you think that, that's, that, that it got overemphasized, fair. Mm-hmm. Maybe. I would say don't dismiss it either, though. It yeah. matters that he bounced from between five teams over five years. He was years. He was essentially like, out of the league before the Lakers picked him up and, and they won. He was toxic. Nobody wanted him. Atlanta yeah. had him for a year when Atlanta sucked and then they got I rid of him. I argued against sh- the Lakers signing him. Like I, I sat on yeah. the, well, not this very show, a previous show, so and, and, and said that, this is a mistake. That stuff matters too. We're talking about the highest of possible honors here, right? Like the Hall of Fame is an incredible honor, but the Hall of Fame takes into account NBA and college and Olympics and everything, mm-hmm. right? So this is a, a more exclusive club. When you're when you were coming up with the most exclusive of exclusive clubs of NBA greats, isn't it fair to say half this guy's career was incredible, and the other half was a mostly a dumpster fire, fire. Yeah. in which in which a bunch of shitty teams kept saying, "Eh, we're we're good, we're good without you." Didn't want to sign him, or they had him and 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 kicked him to the curb after one year. You can't dismiss that and pretend it doesn't matter. Yeah. When you're considering the totality of a guy's career, it's not just peak to peak. That was not the exercise. Yeah. <laughs> so that's a different exercise. And actually, somebody did that exercise and published a 75 list comparing just all time great 70, you know, yeah, uh, awesome. 75th greatest peaks. That that's fine, but um, it matters that Dwight was this, as I say, toxic for half of his career. Yeah. Um, it doesn't negate the good half, but it's not irrelevant. Yeah. No, I mean, like I said, I, I, I think if you're just to look at the basketball, then Dwight's in and yet you can't just look at the basketball. Well, the (laughs) basketball and and the rest of that stuff are intertwined too. Yeah. Right. He wasn't effective enough or good enough for them to think it's worth whatever else was going on in the, in the Hawks locker room or the Hornets locker room or the wizards locker room or the teams that kept cutting him loose. It's also funny because like you mentioned, and this is how I'm going to, to segue over to the Lakers and where they currently stand. But like you mentioned Hakeem, you mentioned uh, Alonzo Mourning and that era, that version of Shaq back then. And, you know, those bigs, Kareem before them. And, and with, the, with that generation of bigs, they recognized they were a big. They knew what made them special, what made them great, their versions of themselves that was great. And they just kind of stuck to those things that made them great. And for whatever reason, over the years, Biggs have decided, yeah, I could like DeAndre Ayton is, is somebody who comes to mind who and, and Dwight, the person we were just talking about, where the Dwight, what made Dwight special was elite rim protection, elite rebounding, great feet, great hands defensively. And then on offense, he didn't have he didn't have two post moves to rub together. Right. And and. So like, but eventually, like over the course of his career, he convinced himself he did. And he wanted every team that employed him, hey, throw the ball into me and I'm going to go to work in the post. And he didn't want to roll to the basket. He didn't want to be involved in pick and rolls anymore. And it made him a less valuable player. And, and for whatever reason, over the years, that's become kind of a trend where 
where it's not just enough that somebody is elite at the, at things that make them very valuable. They can convince themselves they have to expand their game in ways that make them less efficient as by the way, they're getting paid more money. <laughs> and it's so, so it's like, I, 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 I'm kind of curious as somebody who is, who has paid attention to the NBA for longer than, did you, did you note that shift? Is that something that, you know, that, that you were able to, to, to keep in mind, like what happened there? Well, well, it, it's funny. I'm glad you brought I'm, it up. I'm thinking about AD cool. who, who doesn't want to play the center anymore. And it's like, uh, Anthony, you are more valuable at center. <laughs> and, 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 yeah. and I, I just couldn't imagine Hakeem, Kareem, Shaq, no, I'm 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 a small forward now, guys. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm glad you brought that up about Dwight because it's a it's a it's I I I hopped past it and it but it 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 it, it ties back into what we were just saying. It wasn't just about Dwight being a goofball or a doofus or whatever. The reason he wore it as welcome in Houston and Atlanta and other places was very much basketball related. It might have been other things too, but it was basketball yeah. related because he was like. I need to be the center of the offense. I need to be, you know, getting at X number of touches. I need to be posting up, even though he wasn't very good at it. Right. Um, that, like, that's a basketball, uh, uh, you know, value. That's a basketball issue. That's yeah. not just it made him. That's less not valuable. just he smiles too much. No, yeah. it's Dwight did not understand what made him great or where his limitations were, and his insistence on all these other things is part of what eroded his career. Yeah, like it, it's it's it is basketball related, and I think you're right. I think that you know the 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 greats that we talk about, those centers um, from that that kind of that golden era, in the '80s and '90s. You know the the Ewings and Mornings and David Robinson, Akeem Olajuwon, Shaq. Yeah, they knew exactly what would make them. Did Shaq want to like you know hurl a three now and then? Probably, yeah. But he Shaq, did. It, but it was yeah. more in fun. It was more in jest. Yeah. It was just I like mean, and Shaq. Shaq got the opportunity. He definitely was bringing the ball up the court, and playing point center. We saw that a few times. <laughs> yeah. Um, but these guys knew exactly what made them great and what made their teams winners, and that's what they did. And Dwight lost sight of it. Um and decided he was going to be something that he wasn't. And at a time when the league was actually moving in his direction, more, more pick and roll, more diving to the basket, more wide open floor where, where you just have to do your thing in the middle and everybody else is spreading the court for you, which is how his Orlando Magic team got to the finals in the first place. Mm -hmm. At a time when he, he should have been, he should have loved playing for Mike D'Antoni. That should have been perfect. And granted, it wasn't just about D'Antoni, it was about Kobe, it was about all kinds of stuff. Mm -hmm. But um, we don't need to reflect back on the Sports Illustrated cover of that time. Um, <laughs> yeah, that there, there's all kinds of reasons why that that you know I think that should have worked. But you know, and, and he should have been great with James Harden for longer than he was. But he wore out that relationship too. Again, those things matter. Mm -hmm. Have has Sports Illustrated reached out to the Lakers to ask if they could redo the the this, this is going to be fun, but with this <laughs> version of the Lakers? Like, is that? Has that been on the table? <laughs> I, I I don't know. That's not my department. Um, you can cough I, I, if I, true. <laughs> I have to think. I have to think that in some editor meeting at some point going into this season, somebody said, you know, guys, what we could do, you know, and then that person was like promptly like beaten up and kicked out of the room. <laughs> yeah. Uh, kicked out of the Zoom meeting since nobody actually gets in a room anymore. Um, 
yeah, not, not, not sure if that ever came up. I love the idea of actually reviving it even as a joke. Yeah. Maybe, well, I maybe mean, we have a daily cover now. So, so SI, we only publish 12 t- actual physical magazines a year these days mm-hmm. instead of weekly, but we have a daily cover Monday through Friday through the entire year, which means there are many, many opportunities for fun uh, graphic representations. We probably should uh, in some way, shape or form, find a way to draw on that. Yeah. I, given the way that the Lakers season has gone thus far, I would say that there's, you know, or it may already be too late. It may already be too late. I'll pitch it to my editors and see how quickly I get fired or chastised. I think it was uh, that, that, that version of the Lakers uh, went fully defeated in uh, preseason and then started the season. zero and five, this version of the Lakers fully defeated in preseason could very easily be zero and five. That version of the Lakers fired Mike Brown. This version of the Lakers only gave Frank Vogel the one-year extension. I'm just, you know, it's right there. If if, oh, if Sports I, Illustrated I, wants to, you know, go viral. I don't, I don't, I don't really spend any time in, in like subreddits and and other uh, dark corners of the NBA internet. But are, are, are Laker fans ready to to fire everybody already? I mean, I get it sometimes in my mentions, you know, with some of the decisions that Vogel makes, playing Russ and Rondo side by side, and, and that was and curious. Yeah, but but. <laughs> <laughs> it's because of Rondo swag. It's it's that's you know if, if you ask Frank, that's what's going on there. But I I I think it's mostly patience. I think there is some like this is the most tense the fan base has really been so far, where they're like, mm. huh, those concerns that were raised when the Lakers signed three combo guards and no wings, uh, <laughs> those are kind of coming to fruition. The fact that the uh, linchpin of this season is apparently a post surgery. Uh, 36-year-old Trevor Ariza makes me a little nervous. <laughs> and that's actually Wait, kind of the, what so I Wait, the linchpin to... of the season isn't Taylor Horton Tucker? The untouchable well, like he's right there Horton too. Tucker? <laughs> there's, there's two, yeah, you know, the, the, the guy who um, has shown flashes, granted, but um, and is built... The, the people are saying that he could play wing and, and, you know, he has arms long enough to, but... All right. But I was kind of curious, like, from, from you know, from where you are, are perched and, and paying attention to the league in its entirety and and, and the way that the season has gone thus far from the Lakers, are you hearing like any kind of grumblings around the league of like, Hey, let's look, what's going on over there. Look, what's, is, is that actually necessarily going to work? Um, there was, you know, it doesn't, this is not a news flash. There was skepticism across the league from the moment that they mm-hmm. made the deal for Westbrook anyway, especially when it seemed that they were making that decision as opposed to acquiring Buddy Heald, who would have been a seamless and, and, mm-hmm. and great fit. Um, Would have skepticism less. about uh, yeah that too. Um, skepticism about Westbrook's fit. It's funny because we at the time I think most people in the league, uh, myself included, more focused on how Westbrook did or did not fit as opposed to oh my god they've also just offloaded their entire supporting cast. I mean it, that was noted at the time too, but I think there was more concern about Westbrook's presence rather than the absence of those those other guys. Mm-hmm. Both of those things are, are, are glaring right now, right? Both yeah. pieces, both sides of that trade and, and where it, it is potentially hurting the Lakers. Um, so I don't think anybody's sitting around going, whoa, didn't see this coming. Uh, you know, Westbrook being a tough fit, everybody knew. But I think yeah. the optimist view, and I'm sympathetic to this view, I have stated this myself, for all of Westbrook's, you know, uh, faults um, and for all of the concerns that I share with others around the league about whether he would fit on a team that is LeBron centric, give him a little credit. He's an incredible player and a veteran and who's been around long enough to 
like give him the the time to adapt, right? Yeah. But we still haven't seen that yet because the preseason they barely played together and now LeBron's hurt. So they're still not like I don't know where we'll be at game 60 or 70, where the Lakers will be at that time in terms of of how the rotation has has panned out and how Westbrook has adjusted to maybe having the ball in his hands less and whether he's found other ways to be effective when the ball's not in his hands, how often Vogel is staggering those guys to, to make, uh, to give Westbrook plenty of time as primary ball handle. I don't, mm-hmm. we still don't know. A lot of this is still jury still out stuff. That's what happens when we're five games of the season. And I'm always in camp. Don't overreact early mm-hmm. in the season. Let everybody else fly off the handle. Um, I'm, I'm not, I, I'm not ready to declare this experiment a disaster, even though I was certainly one who was very skeptical of the Westbrook acquisition at the time. Um, this is raised, you know, this has only heightened those concerns, I think, but I also, yeah. you know, wait until LeBron gets back and those, and this whole team, and, and certainly even wait for, yeah, I, you know, Ariza is not going to change, you know, the, the trajectory of, of the universe, but Ariza being healthy and Taylor Horton Tucker being healthy and Ellington and all these guys, all of it all matters. Um, especially when you're relying so much on a very, very top heavy, uh, you know, superstar trio and a very, I think, it's not a thin supporting cast. It's like it's a bunch of, of very good players, but nobody who is like a top tier role player for the most part. Like these yeah. guys are all like you need, like all the pieces matter, as they said in the wire, right? Um, mm-hmm. All all the pieces matter right now, and they don't have several of them, and they overhauled the entire roster. <laughs> like, yeah, it's a brand new group around LeBron and Anthony Davis. It it, it was always going to take time, even before LeBron got hurt. Yeah, I I'm still. I entered the season like you, skeptical about all of those things. I, I, I also, you know, was kind of surprised at, and I think it's easy to do this with LeBron role players, right? Because you say, hey, if you can't be, if you can't win a championship as a role player alongside LeBron, then like, how good are you as a role player? Um, but like some of those guys did. KCP did. Caruso did. Kuzma did. And, and you know, to see... The conversation about those guys once they were no longer Lakers from Lakers fans, it was it really was kind of shocking. Like guys, those guys were really important when when the Lakers won an actual championship, and 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 now you're seeing it. Like Caruso is one of the more popular Bulls immediately. Had a giant stop against the Knicks the other night or last night, uh, despite the, the Bulls yeah. losing there. And then uh, Kuzma and Harold and KCP are part of a revamped Washington Wizards team that is winning despite Bradley not playing very well, you know? Uh, so yeah, it's, it's, it, it shouldn't, it, it hasn't really shocked me. What surprised me was more at the time when it was just kind of like, look, they got, they got Russell Westbrook and, and but yeah, it cost them their whole rotation, but they got Russell Westbrook. And it's like, oh, all right, fine. I'll just, I'll just shut up now. Um, the other favorite heading into the season was Brooklyn. And I'm just curious again, given how much time, I, I, you know, I, even before I started covering the league, I was, I was very, you know, I, I loved the NBA and all of that. And um, I have never seen, and I don't think we'll ever see another season start the way it has for Brooklyn, where a prohibitive favorite has been derailed potentially by a vaccine mandate and rule changes. <laughs> like, have you, have you, have you ever seen that? Like, What's going on? Um, like, do you ever sit back and marvel at what's going on in Brooklyn? Yeah, uh, Bob Cousy didn't have these concerns. I'll tell you that. Well, um, he might now, but no. I'm 
<laughs> I just no, as you're saying, like, has this ever happened? I'm like thinking like the entire history of the NBA and all the crazy, all the weird things that have happened and all the different eras being so different. Like, yeah, I'm pretty sure like in the in the 50s and 60s, this was not an issue. Yeah. Um, no, I mean, listen, if if the Nets like just completely crash and burn this season, and it's because of some combination of an officiating crackdown on uh, offensive, you know, uh, moves that were designed solely to bait referees and draw fouls and a once in a generation or once in a century pandemic and a vaccine refusal. Like this would be the weirdest you we, we thought like it was strange when, the, you know, the Lakers of Kobe, Dwight Powell and Steve Nash yeah. crashed and burned or whatever. Like, this would be an all-timer. I don't even know like how we would describe this one if that's really what. And of course, it's more than those things. But yeah, having your third best player, your third all-star removed by the strangest of circumstances, mm-hmm. not removed by, self-removed. Yeah. Opted out, basically. See you guys. You know, we'll get back to you when the laws change or something changes. Um, like that's on its on, on its own if the nets don't win the championship this year and and it is at least partially because of Kyrie Irving uh basically refusing to get vaccinated um that's that stands alone in history anyway the Harden thing is is tricky um he did have the hamstring last year he has mm-hmm. talked about how his offseason was all about rehab and he couldn't really you know do much in terms of his game and everything else so there's probably some of that uh, many have, have have noted that he doesn't seem to be in prime shape. That's been an ongoing issue in his career. Yeah, that's um, what like that's how I would push back when he says I wasn't able to work as hard the offseason. You worked hard in prior off seasons. Like that's that's that was a thing <laughs> that you were doing. <laughs> it's you know what's really funny is that there's always been this kind of in the abstract uh, Harden and, and Shaq comparison in terms of they're both really hard to officiate. They draw, they create a lot of contact, draw a lot of contact. They go to the foul line. A lot. Like there's these like weird, even though that positionally and, and everything else, like there's nothing in common, but there's some certain aspects where I have thought it on occasion. There's a parallel there. Um, and this, time? Is, this, this is another one. I'm going to get in shape on company time. <laughs> I'm going to rehab on company time, work my way. In. And also even on the, even the years that Shaq wasn't rehabbing a toe surgery on company time, Shaq was always playing his way into shape. That was yeah. a that was an annual ritual. He like, oh, the Lakers start slow. Well, yeah, because Shaq starts slow. Mm-hmm. Well, James Harden kind of on the Shaq plan, it seems like. So, um, you know, we'll we'll check in again in a month or so and see where Harden's conditioning is and his game is. Is the NBA crackdown on foul baiting going to hurt him? Sure, it's mm-hmm. it's going to hurt a bunch of guys. Is James Harden an incredibly skilled player who will find other ways to be effective, you know, as a, as a shooter, as a driver, as a passer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like he'll be, like, I think he'll be fine. He's going to lose a few points. When you go from 10 free throw attempts per game or whatever it was down to it's, it's three. Now it'll go back up when his, yeah. when his, when his physical state gets better, he'll, he'll start drawing more fouls again. I'm sure. Um, it, it can be down from 10 and still be a, a really good number. He'll, maybe he loses a couple points a game. Maybe he's not scoring 30, 35 points a game. Maybe he's scoring 26, 28. He could still be doing that and averaging close to a triple double because he's going to dish out a lot of assists. He's going to grab some rebounds. He's going to do other things. I don't think it's just the officiating change that has, has, you know, made James Harden ordinary. So that's going to take some time as, as, as we were talking about with the Lakers, like in both of the cases with these two teams that, that had all these high expectations, there are some circumstances that just require time to sort out. Um, and, you know, the fact is, though, 
the Nets, you know, margin for error, you know, shrunk quite a bit without Kyrie because it is a top heavy team, not only in talent, but in payroll. Kyrie's yeah. taking up 36 million in cap room. That's essentially dead cap. It's right now it's this, it's it's the same as if the Nets had waived Kyrie Irving and just, just ate completely. the money. He's mm-hmm. dead cap. And I've said this, you know, recently, and and I, I I could end up being proven wrong here, but um I think it's inevitable that the Nets, if things haven't changed in a couple months, have to have to figure out whether there's a trade market, even if it's yeah. not, even if it's pennies on the dollar, not pennies on the dollar, maybe it's quarters on the dollar. I yeah. don't know what the exchange rate should be on, on a Kyrie Irving uh, at this I stage. I feel like it has to be like, if you're another team, why would you tr- acquire a guy who clearly like he's on a title contender with his best friend in his hometown. And that isn't enough to get him to, to do what's best for the team. Like I, you know, I don't know how a team, acquire, unless you just, yeah. unless you're bad and, and you don't care. I would worry, right? Like I, I, I would hesitate quite a bit before I went and acquired Kyrie Irving. But the fact is, he can at least play for most other teams without having yeah. any of the concerns about the vaccine and that and it uh, negating your your eligibility. So there are plenty of teams that could use Kyrie Irving. He's still an incredible talent. He's just not useful to the Nets under New York's current laws and under the current COVID situation. Mm-hmm. Maybe the law changes. Maybe he decides to get the shot. But if neither of those things uh, appear to be on the horizon. And instead of having 36 million in dead cap, if you could trade Kyrie for three high caliber role players or two high caliber role players, if someone's willing to do it, I think you have to seriously consider it because while they do have some nice depth, they're a little front court heavy. They're a little veteran heavy. Like they're, they've got an old LaMarcus Aldridge and an old Blake Griffin and an mm-hmm. old Paul Millsap um, older, you know, Patty Mills, although, you know, Patty Mills seems fine, but like, I just, I feel like there, there's, there isn't enough, useful depth there and mm-hmm. shot creation there and so you know wait there's way too much on durant's shoulders right now and lest we forget durant is still only a couple of years removed from an achilles yeah you know blown achilles and surgery so yeah it's it's fascinating those are the two kind of far and away favorites to face off in the finals and both of them so far this year i don't know if you could have scripted uglier starts for both teams the lakers you know lebron is tweaked an ankle ad banged a knee Russ uh, has gone full Russ on both ends of the spectrum so far. They're missing role players. And then in Brooklyn, like we just talked about, you know, and, and again, like we were laughing before we went live. We thought this year was going to be unpredictable. We th- I knew that there was a bunch of unknown. Like, I, you know, it was funny to me. I always love reading season previews, not just at a national level, but at a local level. And the people who are like as tapped into the, any team in the league, uh, are those local people and the number of people who are just throwing their hands up in the air. And it's like, yeah, if this, 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 and this happens, then maybe we see this, but there's like five ifs. <laughs> and that was the same for, for basically every team in the league. And then you throw everything that we've seen so far this season and, and it's been insane. So, you know, I'm, I'm looking forward to how all of this plays out. Uh, I, I think it's impossible to handicap how all this is, how, how all of this is going to play out. And uh, <laughs> I guess next time when you get your free latte, you and I will be laughing about whatever weird new thing that, that has just popped up in the league. There will be something almost guaranteed. I mean, I will say this before the season started, if, if anybody had asked, you know, Nets or the field to win the championship, Lakers or the field to win the championship or Lakers Nets finals or the field, or the field. with any other combination, 
-hmm. I'm taking the field on all of those. And I, I would have, because while, you know, the Nets clearly had to me the best all-star trio prior to Kyrie removing himself. And mm -hmm. while the Lakers had obviously some great star power and, and LeBron and AD alone was, was always going to tip the scales. There's just too much volatility with both of those teams for me to have felt confident in either of them. And there are enough really, really good teams, not great teams, not historically great teams, not super teams, but enough really, really strong teams in both conferences that I just think it's, it's, it was, it was much more wide open than the Vegas odds or, or the preseason predictions yeah. would, would suggest. Um, did I still pick the, the nets when push came to shove when we had to put it on paper for our preview? Yeah. You know, I, I but I went nets over nuggets. I didn't even go nets over Lakers because I thought, mm -hmm. One of the two is going to fall short. And at that time, I thought the, the Lakers were more, more likely to misfire than the Nets were. Um, but it, it, it could end up being Lakers-Bucks. It could end up being Nuggets-Hawks, for all I know. <laughs> yeah, could be war. Like, yeah, it's it. Who, who knows how this is going to play out. The one thing I am hoping for this season is that Kyrie gets traded to, like, the Magic. Because I feel like, I feel like he's always been Florida man. He, like can, he, he can be united with Jonathan Isaac. We get all the anti-vaxxers together. <laughs> there you go. Well, thank you very much, Howard, for hopping on the show. That's the perfect place to hop off. Um, I Plug away. What, what, what else? So you have the crossover pod that you do with Chris Mannix. You have uh, your, your columns for Sports Illustrated. Is there anything specifically you want us to check out? Uh, crossover pod Tuesdays and Fridays, Tuesdays with Mannix Fridays. It's me and a guest. And as you mentioned earlier, I've got uh, Tim Cato, the great Mavericks reporter for the athletic discussing Jason Kidd and his leadership council. Uh, that is up right now. Yeah. Um, I have a, uh, a really fun feature that is coming soon, both in the magazine and online. Um, that I, I guess I don't want to tip my hand too much on yet, but it's, that's coming no soon. So to check that out, everything is on si.com. Find me on Twitter at Howard Beck. Sounds good. Well, thank you very much for hopping on. Can't wait to talk to you soon. And thank you so much for just being as available to the show and, and, and everything over the years as you, as you have been. I'm just that doing was... it for the free lattes, Anthony. <laughs> this has been a blast. Always, always fun. Thank you. Thanks for having me back. Appreciate it. That's going to do it for this episode of the Anthony Irwin Show and this week's episodes here on the Silver Screen Roll podcast feed. I'm Anthony Irwin. This was my show, and we'll talk to you guys next week.